Hey there, everyone. It's your co-host, Toby, here. Welcome to The Yellow Pill and welcome to our off-season bonus edition. If this is your first time listening ever, we have just wrapped up our sixth season and are now taking a break to prepare for our seventh. Even though we're on a break, we definitely cannot keep you all hanging. And so this episode is part of our off-season bonus episodes where we provide our opinions, comments and thoughts on trending issues at home and abroad, as well as sharing unorthodox but creative dialogues or monologues that we think you might enjoy. These off-season episodes tend to be shorter, raw, and unfiltered, so we hope you enjoy them. All right, that's it from me. Enjoy your listen. Yes, people, welcome back to another episode of our off-season. This is yet another monologue by myself. Listen to the first one. I spoke about superheroes and daddy issues. That was quite fun. I think from now on, I'm never going to watch these movies the same way, but that's past... Today's talk monologue is about something that was quite familiar to almost everybody who was online this last month. Well, today's recording is dated December 28th, so whenever I, whenever I hear this, this was this in December. And I think December should be the new month of love, right? Because, my God, it was so amazing and interesting as well to see so many engagement proposals i mean there were weddings i think weddings are normal in december as we often expect but the proposals in december this time felt like everybody everybody got a memo like yep it's time to do this to make this thing happen and it got me thinking you know um because i mean first of all i was wondering is it just because of the particular year we are in or is is this normal to every December, or is it just the age we're at? I don't know. But just gonna be thinking about proposals and engagements. And you know, for those who are probably married, who might be listening, you know, or maybe from your folks as well, or your friends, you might they might agree with me if I say proposals are probably one of the most remembered me- memories for married couples, right? I haven't got any experience, but I'm sure I can imagine that a lot goes into it. Yes, some people get turned down. Some unfortunate people. No, not that they're unfortunate. It's unfortunate that they get turned down. <laughs> Let me clarify that. But more often than not, we see people saying, you know, yes, I will. I will marry you. So like I said, I, I kind of went to dig deeper into engagement proposals because, you know, what, to what extent do I know about it in the historical sense? And also, to what extent do we take what we see for granted in terms of the engagement proposals as they happen itself? Now, what do I mean? Well, proposals and engagements are probably one of the world's best-known rituals in romantic relationships, right? But the question I have is, are there also performances? Now, I'm not saying this in a negative tone. I'm saying performances in a certain sense of, to what extent are, are there also dramaturgical performances that are a reflection of a script that we all follow, right? And if, and if so, how are they performed front stage? But how are they also developed behind the scenes? So how, how, does, how do things happen to that moment that it goes so seamless at least in most cases 
right? And why are they all different? Why do people choose to do theirs, maybe let's say publicly slash privately? You know, why do people use different occasions? Why is it different? So I, I was trying to figure this out and out of curiosity only, particularly, um, not out of um, any other thing, to be honest. And to help understand this, I, I kind of drew on some body of work by a couple of people. David Schwein, Gruber, Sign Anahita, Nancy Burns in turn on four. And also a good article I read on um on Bustle. Bustle or Bustle. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. B-U-S-T-L-E. And that's on the history of um engagement, I believe. But yeah, so I wanted to just know, you know, to what degree, to what extent are engagements performed as performances, right? And to, and how are they also constructed and developed behind the scenes before they happened, right? So the first body of work I, I used and I drew on, they actually did a number of interviews with couples who were already married. And, and they gave me some useful insight that I'm probably going to share with you all today. Insight in the sense of just some, I'll call it a simple slash complex gist to follow, right? I hope that makes sense in a second. So, again, I said I have three questions, right? One is, to what extent are proposals performed front stage as performances? How they developed backstage, behind the scenes? And why are they done the way they are, right? And performance element, there's a metaphor just to suggest how is that moment created? So, I'm going to answer this in about five, six um, points, steps. And the first one I'm going to start with is the idea of Proposal as a performance, right? Maybe the most obvious. But hear me out for a second. So proposals of engagements done by couples are performances. Because they're put on by the couple to communicate to each other and to secondary audiences as well. So that's like friends and family and myself. And also to other interested parties, maybe rival suitors, <laughs> people who are still keen on the status of the man and the woman. And also people in the wedding industry as well. So they, they do all this just to suggest everybody that, hey, we're ready to get married and enter a new phase of our relationship called the engagement, right? And proposals also finalize an earlier understanding that the couple have already had that they will get married, right? And because they've made a decision in public via the proposal, they can then plan for the wedding, right? And of course, the proposal is supposed to be a fun, special event that the couple should enjoy performing. Now, again, performing in the sense is not a negative tone or a negative word. It's just to suggest the actual action that goes into this moment from the guy going on the knee to the surprise to everything, right? And in, and in making this performance happen, the couple, the man and the woman, choose from cultural toolkits to get this done. Now, what I mean by that is whatever people do to pop the question, right? Follows a pattern. And that pattern comes from somewhere, right? So that's what I mean by cultural toolkit, right? And by using those cultural symbols and toolkits and scripts, right? It often means that we stand or they stand the best chance of carrying off a successful performance, right? So what does that mean? What, what, what I mean by that? Well, it turns out and it's been argued that if your performance as and again, let me change the word. If you propose or have an engagement proposal that is in a very unconventional way, it turns out that it may result in the audience and people watching 
that's family and friends, either via the stories they hear or them being there or us on Instagram, turns out that people in the audience, we may have doubts if you go to an unconventional method of proposing, right? And that is why people often use the signals to communicate their proposal by using the standard ways of doing it, all right? I'll, I'll dive more into that later in a bit, but just you put that point out there. Now, next point, secondary performances, right? And what this point is going to emphasize is the fact that after the proposal has been done, right, it's then followed up by a number of subsidiary performances, right? And this is where, for example, the couple then begin to share their story, proposal story with their friends and family, and they, and they then take on the role of the engaged couple, right? So it's just the idea that some people will feel like no one will take them seriously if they had not started, if there had not been some official engagement process. So people feel like they need a story and a ring, right? And the story and the ring are offered as proof that the couple considers themselves engaged, right? And that they have the qualifications, in quotes, to be successfully engaged and be a married couple, all right? And the response that we, friends and family, give is often a critical response to the proposal and the engagement. And you may ask me, well, what does that mean? Well, what that means is, like I said before, if somebody does a proposal wrongly, or if it's judged as a poor performance by us, family, friends, rival suitors, everybody in the audience, Instagrammers, whatever, it may result in us doubting the reality or appropriateness of the engagement, even if the couple do not have doubts. Right? So this is where the idea of performance is coming in, to the sense of engagements are also done in a way for the secondary audience, which is everyone else beyond the couple. Right? And also, couples... And those performing the engagements, the man and the woman, are doing that to a perfect sense or a good sense to also communicate to the world, to the secondary audience, about the quality of their relationship. And sometimes they also communicate the nature of the man, you know, whether it's cheap, traditional, creative or romantic, depending on how it goes. So now let me, let me now dive deeper in, into that sense, make it, make it make sense. So now the third bit is not the proposal script itself. Now let's look at the man as a proposal. Man, sorry, the man as the proposal, right? Now, something that seems quite universal, to be honest, along all lives we've lived, is always that proposals of people who are straight, right, is often done by the male member of the couple, right? And the first audience is the female member, right? Now, what the, I'm just saying, proposals are often done by the man, not the woman, in simple terms, right? But interestingly, you know, we've all often seen it in movies, maybe heard it sometimes where this rule gets broken in the sense of the woman proposes, where they switch roles. But it turns out that when that happens, in most cases, according to this body of work I'm, I'm, I've, I've read through, in most cases, it does not result in an official engagement. Because sometimes when the woman proposes, it turns the proposal into like a parody that produces amusement. Some people will just, like people, often the man, right, may not take that seriously until he's the one that's done it, right? So again, it's like a cultural norm for some reason which I'm sure there's many reasons you can get into historical accounts, but I can't get into that now. But there's many norms, sorry, there's many reasons why it's normal for the man to be the one who proposes, right? So, for example, some people will attribute that to the fact that it's a traditional thing and it's an old-fashioned thing, and these are positive values that we hold, right? Others might think, well, if the man presents the woman with the ring, it makes sense for the man to, do the one, to be the one doing the asking, right? And some people just feel like, well, you know, often times, the woman is more eager to marry the man. She has to wait for the man to ask first because 
then she's also then sure that the man wants to actually get married. Now, this relates to the idea of um, one man to multiple partners and one man to one partner in the science of mate preferences that we spoke about in episode nine or on the unseason. So this just explains some possible reasons why, the, why, the, why there are these gender roles in proposal performances. Right, and if you ask if you ask people, well, what do you, what do you mean by traditional? What do you mean when you say it's traditional for a man to propose? People may not really have answers because they just think that's all they know, and it shows how date not dated in the sense of old fashioned, but dated in the sense of it's just an historic a sorry a historical process, right? Of these uh, of of these scripts. So again, I ask you guys, like, what do you think? Why do you think the man does proposing? And do you agree with the expansion of giving above or not? Right? Now, second part of proposal script is the ring. The crucial nature of the ring. Now, even though a man's request, a man's verbal request to, for a proposal is important, words without a ring does not make it complete according to how the audience sees it. Presenting a ring makes it clear that what is going on is actually a proposal about to happen, right? Now, this is not just important for the woman, who's the first audience, but also for the secondary audience, who are the family, friends, strangers, and everybody watching live or later, right? So without a ring, proposal is not yet appropriate as a public story and does not provide official marking as the future of, of the, as an engaged couple. And for many women, it's been, it's been, it's been said there's been accounts of women who've said, you know, like, you know, when somebody asked them to marry them without a ring, right, they just like shrugged it off and laughed or just thought, you know, I can't take it seriously until I see a ring. Sometimes they find it funny. Sometimes it makes, it makes them just think, you know, I, you're not, we're, not, we're not serious here until there's a ring, right? Now, not every woman shares the opinion that proposal without a ring is not a proposal, of course not, right? But if there's no ring, there's often has to be a good explanation for why. And if you don't agree, that's fine. Um, I don't know. It's just just what um seems to be um was found in in, in body of work I'm, I'm I'm going through, and that's interesting because I then began to think about it and I said, well, I don't think I know anybody who male or female would carry a proposal without a ring and would just be okay without a ring i don't if you do um let us know so as i said like nobody considers well not nobody but it is rare for people to consider proposals without a ring right because i think the ring often symbolizes um, a lot of things so for example one reason is that the rings the ring often connotes that the person proposing the man is serious because oftentimes he spent a lot of money on the ring Right, and buying a cheap ring may suggest to some subjects, sometimes secondary audiences, that the man is not financially ready to support a family. Right, and it's funny how these things get picked up without us even realizing it. You know, when when ladies want to see the ring and they judge the ring, or oh, how much you spend on the ring, was, was it three months salary? All those things are like innate, innate drivers that make us judge proposals, the man doing proposals when he presents the ring. You know, and sometimes as well, a woman might say, oh, babe, I, I, I don't want a diamond ring, right? But the man will say, 
Now I'm giving diamond ring because he doesn't want anyone to think that he cannot afford it as well. So even the men are also worried. Even men are also worried about the perception of secondary audiences because they don't want to perceive it as not being able to support a family. The point here is, in most cases, the ring is what signifies seriousness from both parties. And it's much more important during secondary performances because the presence of the ring on the finger suggests to the world that they were indeed, that they are indeed engaged. And sometimes it is always the secondary audience, family and friends, that will request for a ring if there's no ring, not even the wife, right? Because for them, if there's no ring, they might feel like it's not genuine enough, right? Because they think, oh, this is what represents commitment in that sense, right? Okay, so now third part of the proposal script is the surprise. This, this surprise one is quite funny because I, I know Toby brought it up one time I think two seasons ago on the podcast about say when, when, when he said um, that are women really surprised when they get engaged? I mean, when they get proposed to, you know, and I think he made a good point there because they probably see it coming, but not sure when or how. Now let's pause there for a second. Let's go down. Let's dive into what um, I found. So proposals normally sh- are supposed to be a surprise as we've seen them on TV, on our social media feeds and in person, right? But only, only, only in a limited sense because an agreement to marry has already been reached by all, all of the subjects in a way. Right? So most times, women already expect proposal to be made. But what would surprise her would often be when and where, right? So, there's like, so, th- so think of it as a spectrum. So on one, on one extreme of the spectrum, the woman knows that proposal is coming soon. Knows that the ring has been bought. And she may even know the day might happen. But the surprise lies in the details. Right? On the, on the other extreme, the woman may know that the guy proposed to her someday. Right? Doesn't know when, but just someday. Right? But the time and place will catch her off guard. Right? So in such cases, they have no idea when it is coming or how it is coming. But they probably just know that it may come one day. Maybe because they discussed rings or they discussed future together as a was a spouse or they're living together already different signs right but the surprise element is very very important for proposal performances why because it allows the women to respond spontaneously because that, that spontaneous um spontaneous reaction is a key moment of the proposals because is as i said at the start something that gets remembered for a long time but also when it's spontaneous, it often comes with an outpouring of emotion. And that outpouring of emotion is often expected by everyone to be part of, part of, part of the proposal. So, for example, if you look, look through your, your, your memory, think of everything you've seen on Instagram or Twitter or YouTube or TV, Hollywood, Netflix proposals. If you've seen a woman get proposed to and she doesn't you know, have any form of emotional reaction, then you're probably not expecting a good response from her. She just looks like, uh, okay, yeah, we can probably guess where that's going, right? To the point there, it's just that, you know, the surprise warrants, or rather, brings out that emotional outpour, which is very key part, which is a key part of the key part of proposals, right? And this this can be her just crying and just being lost in what's going on. This can be her just being overwhelmed by emotions and forgetting what's going on. You know, sometimes such emotion even disrupts the plans that the guy even has. But it makes it natural. 
right? And because proposals are expected by both parties, the man often knows that he's going to get a yes, which is why it's often weird when we see um, couples get turned down in proposals because it means that somebody's just not reading, someone's not reading the signs. Or there's other reasons, obviously, but it's more of a shock to us when we see people say no because we always assume that they should both know at this point that they should be saying yes, even though they've not said it out loud, right? Now, fourth part of proposal script, going down on one knee. Where did this come from? I'll come back to that. So in many cases, women will request that a boyfriend get down on one knee or rather they expect, right? And this element of proposal often, you know, suggests that proposal is taking place, right? But the meaning of it is often unknown. So nobody really knows why we get down on one knee. Do you guys know? I'm asking you that right now. Think about it. But when we see that happening, we know, what it, we know what's about to happen, right? So it signifies what's going to happen, but we don't actually know what that actually means. Where does it come from, right? So the man getting down on one knee signals that, yes, I'm about to propose to you, my love, right? And that presenting the ring and making the verbal request is coming next. Now, if you, again, like I said before, if you ask people about what that means, you may not really get real answers, Right, but again, it's an, it's an important part of the proposal because it conveys that this is about to happen. Right, so think about it. Why do you think people get down on one knee? I'll give you five seconds, five minutes. Think about it. According to the article on, um, on Bustle, or Bustle, you know, the idea of leaning on one knee is essential to proposal. Right, but it's not, it's not enshrined in history. So it seems like it's, it's more of a modern invention, right? But again, nobody really knows how it really pretty much came up, right? Or rather, I've not really, I don't really know yet based on what I've read. Now, one possible reason why kneeling is ideal is that it comes from, it stems from Middle Ages tradition of courtly love, where a man who's of good birth, possibly noble origins, as they always say, is devoting himself to a woman who he considers is superior. Right? But in addition to that, kneeling itself is often general, generally found in European history as a sign of supplication, being humble, and servitude. So again, a lot of Christian, a lot of Christian iconography of prayer, for, for example, involves kneeling and expressing your service to God in that sense. Likewise, knights of war and of countries of history knew before their lords receive honors. Right? So if an army is also surrendering as well, an army will kneel before they conquer. So kneeling to a woman is kind of like the same thing because maybe it suggests that you're requesting for a favor and demonstrating loyalty and surrender to her. Right? So it's possibly it's possibly first showed up in 19th century, but we're not sure why that's the case. The guess is as good as mine in that front. All right, the fifth bit of the proposal script is asking permission. And this is permission with the woman's fathers. And this one has some controversy as well behind it because asking for the father's permission is often seen as seen in different views. Some find it as romantic, some find it as traditional gesture, some find it as antiquated. Right? 
And some, some find it as a connection to sexy symbolisms because it suggests that the woman is owned by the father. But many couples like it when it happens. Many couples feel like it has to happen. Many couples find it as a way that it gets their parents or their dad involved. Some people see it as, you know, taking the independence out of the woman as well. You know, so there's different ways you can look at it. Some, some people see it as, you know, that's where I know he's really, really serious about me. So there's different ways you can think about that. But obviously, it's a key part of engagement purposes as well. Asking permission for the father before you go on and do it. What do you think? Why do you think uh, permission is important or not important? Finally, number six, which is um, making you romantic, right? So, so, so we've covered so far, we've covered five areas, right? So the proposal itself covered going down on one knee. We've covered asking for permission. We've covered um, what else have we covered? The surprise. But now, making it romantic. Now, even though we know you have to do all of the above, right? There's a next level that involves making the script, you know, bringing the script to life, right? And this often depends on the skill level of the various images projected by the couple, right? So some people who are virtuosos who produce exquisitely romantic performances, right? So maybe you have like people do some really nice stuff, a billboard, I've seen that before. I've seen people bring stuff with drones, you know, different things. Some might use less skill and imagination, right? But are still able to produce something that's acceptable, right? But some women often say that, you know, following the script is not only enough. So by that, what that, what, what that means, some women say that just going down on one knee, getting a ring, um, asking the father, doing the normal things is not enough, right? Because for them, it's to be, it's even, for them, it's not be enough to be unsatisfactory if it showed no creativity or sensitivity to the importance to the importance of the occasion. Right. So, for the, for some women, it's like it's not even real. It's not even good enough if there's no level of um, out of the box thinking or no level of context or specifics of the couple. Right. So, for example, if your the babies, let's say. I don't know, if she, let's say a football fan and she hates basketball and proposing a basketball place that could be seen as, you know, not, not, not thinking about the specifics of the couple or specifics of her, her own interest. Creativity could be in the sense of maybe he's just proposing to her I don't know, in a grocery store, right? But again, this is subjective. Some might find that romantic, others may not, right? But the interesting part about this is this is one reason why men are always nervous. Even though they know what the answer would be. So men are nervous even though they know that the, the girl will likely say yes. And they're nervous because the proposal story is often used as evidence of the quality of their relationship. And it's key to how they manage their impression to the public, to the secondary audience, to you and to me. All right, so the man is expected to make the proposals romantic, often by modifying his script, taking into account their own, their own history. All right, so for example, maybe we choose a location that is meaningful to the couple, like their favorite beach, campus landmark, maybe a river they've gone to, a park, whatever. It could be that they plan some generic romantic activities, watching the sunsets, dancing beneath the stars, maybe roses. 
Some even incorporate their skills. So let's say they sing a song, do a dance, they write, you know, different ways. Some even bring in the ring in a very creative way. Right, maybe put it in chocolate, you know, put it in ice cream, put it in wine glass. Hopefully she doesn't, I'm not a fan of that because it's just the idea of the woman talking to the ring. It just feels, I don't know, it just doesn't feel hygienic. But giving things up, yeah, okay, I'm not going to say that. But it doesn't feel like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a fan of that. Anyway, ignore me. This is not about me. So point here is proposal being romantic is often a key feature of how, you're, how people judge as well. And this contributes to why men are also nervous about proposals. Right? So it's a very, very um, complex, uh, complex performance. Right. And as we can see, you know, if you, if you stop to think about marriages today, right, and you just think about it for like two seconds, you can see that they're pretty, not marriages, sorry, proposals, right? They're pretty interesting because it's a whole dynamic performance. Again, keyword dramaturgical performance, right? For example, why do guys need to propose? Why do we go, on, go down on one knee? Why the ring? Why is, he only, why is he mostly men? You know? And how come we often need the story and we need sometimes um, we need secondary audiences as well? Why do we have to please them? And these are very interesting questions. But it doesn't make them bad questions. It just shows that this ritual is deeper than what it may look like on the surface. And it turns out that much of the issue of my proposals involves old traditions, new ideas, but obviously very, 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 very influenced from European um, history and a lot of guesswork, right? And for most couples, the proposal of engagement is often a contradiction because it's not actually a new proposal, right? Because at that point of proposal, most of them already know that they might will get married. But what proposal does, what it does is that it then authorizes that decision that they've already made and does that through a surprise performance right, that they've mutually planned together. And what that means is, by, by mutually planning together, it doesn't mean that the wife planned the proposal, but she often may send subtle messages about what she would like throughout their dating um, dating life in different ways. Maybe she might just mention today that oh she oh she likes this nice place. She might mention the kind of ring she might like. She, she might tell the best friend specifics, and best friend tells the man. But the point is, the man gets impute from her, directly or indirectly, and and he then takes the lead in initiating the engagement, even though his girlfriend has given him instructions indirectly about performance. Right, so the key point is that again, proposals can be understood as performance for two audiences the woman, primary audience, and the friends and family, like you and me, secondary audience. And during, and during, during these performances, they use a lot of st standard conventions to make it work, right? And they choose them not because of some symbolic meaning. But just because if they don't choose the standard elements to propose, we, the audience, might be confused. Like, what is going on? I might cast doubt on their relationship. 
Hence why I said it's a very, very deep performance that I think goes beyond what we just see in the front view. So if, like me, you don't have experience with proposals yet, you can treat this monologue as your ultimate guide, <laughs> right? And if you've got experience, I'd love to know how your experience compares to what you've heard so far. That's me done. Thanks very much, guys. Have a good time, everybody. Take it easy. Hey there, thanks for listening to this off-season episode of The Yellow Pill. We're still on a break, but we'll be back in a couple of weeks with new and fresh and exciting content. But before then, make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Yellow Pill Pod and on Twitter, yellowpill underscore pod to keep up to date with everything else we're putting up until we come back. Hope you're enjoying the holidays. We wish you all the love, joy, comfort, peace, gladness and all the good tidings. See you next week.